Madcap Flare offers cutting-edge technical authoring and publishing capabilities for today's technical writers and content developers with advanced features to maximize authoring efficiency, content reuse, and multi-channel publishing. By combining Madcap Central's cloud-based collaboration, publishing, and content management functionality, authors can improve content quality, gain greater insight into tasks and production schedules, work collaboratively with teams, host content, and automate processes. Madcap Flare and Madcap Central, combining the power of desktop authoring with cloud-based collaboration, publishing, and content management. Learn more at www.madcapsoftware.com. This is the Cherryleaf Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cherryleaf Podcast. This podcast has been prompted by some conversations on Twitter about professional bodies and whether people should join them or not. So a good place to start would be, why do professions have professional bodies? Why are there professional bodies for doctors and accountants and plumbers and engineers and technical communicators? And in fact, we've had professional bodies since there in many ways have been professions. Well, certainly since the Middle Ages. If you go back then, you had companies forming like the Worshipful Company of Mercers and Grocers and Coopers and the like. And their function was to do a number of things. One was to guarantee quality. And in those days, a lot of that was around avoiding the provision of products that cause people to get injured or to die. Another aspect was to train apprentices and to control the quality of the training, which of course was related to the quality of what was being produced. There was also things like sharing ideas and creating a community improving status and creating, in some situations, a monopoly or profession controlling who could and couldn't sell a particular item. Of course, the guilds in many ways have gone now. They primarily act as charitable organisations in the City of London, but we still have professional bodies for the Royal College of Surgeons, for example, Institute of Chartered Accountants, And their function is in many ways similar to those of the guilds. It is also to guarantee quality, again with things like doctors and dentists, to make sure that people don't get injured or die, from solicitors that people get the appropriate legal support that they want, for chartered architects and chartered surveyors, that buildings that are constructed, or chartered engineers, bridges that are constructed are safe, and also still to improve status and to make sure that people have an appropriate salary and their skills are recognised. The more longer-standing professions, such as the doctors and the accountants and the lawyers, have had this ability to self-govern and to restrict the number of professionals and people that can call themselves doctors and accountants and, and other forms of profession. And again, still a key function with those mainstream larger professions is to control and manage or regulate the training of apprentices and to verify and to control the quality of that training. That extends today into continual professional development so people learn throughout their career and an expectation that people still learn over time, take courses over time. And they're still, of course, sharing ideas, creating a community, but also professions get involved with creating standards and lobbying 
government over policy, for example, for which standards are made mandatory, are legal requirements, or getting government to provide some money for that training or for those standards. So do we need a professional body for technical communicators? Do those requirements and activities that apply for mainstream professional bodies, like again solicitors and the like, apply for technical communication? Well, we can look at these one by one to see whether that's true or not. So first off, should we restrict who can and cannot do technical writing? Well, in most situations, or particularly in the environment for writing software, we're not in a situation where if something is written badly, it has cataclysmic consequences. We're not really in life or death situations in terms of what's written. So it's a bit tricky to say only qualified technical communicators are allowed to write end-user documentation. But should there be a body to define and to set standards? Well, there are standards for technical communication in safety critical areas. So in many ways, anybody can write them, but the content that they produce has to conform to a particular standard. And this relates to things like aerospace, where there are fixed standards for how aeroplanes are documented so that the information is clear and accurate and people maintaining aircraft do it in the correct and safe way. And when it comes to who defines those standards, there's a good case for a professional body certainly participating and getting involved in defining the standards so the community has its say in what those standards should be. Do we need standards in software documentation? Well, that's a little bit harder to justify, particularly as I would argue that the definitions of what makes good and bad documentation or online user assistance is still evolving and still being developed. Or do technical communicators need a community? Yes. Do technical communicators need to share ideas? Again, yes. And do we need to have a mechanism where new apprentice technical communicators can get good quality training in how to become a technical communicator? Well, there is a belief that anybody can write and there is some that believe that you can just become a technical author at the drop of a hat. But I think there is a consensus that to be a good technical author, you do require some form of training that's there. And it does seem to make sense that there is some accreditation or quality control to check that the training that is provided is of a sufficient quality. Of course, there is a danger that, particularly in the software environment, in such a fast-paced, quickly changing environment, that we don't want to end up saying that only certain training that's become outdated is valid. It needs to be relevant to the modern day. And CPD, this is another aspect that, yes, is a good thing a necessary thing for technical communicators to have and arguably a body to set expectations that technical communicators do that CPD. And on the lobbying side or improving the status of technical communicators, do we need somebody to do that? Well, I would argue yes, that there does need to be somebody out there, somebody out there evangelising, selling the benefits of technical documentation and selling the benefits of people that do this as a career, as a profession. So the main bodies for technical communication tend to be geographically split. In the United Kingdom, it's the ISTC. 
in the USA. It's the Society for Technical Communication, the STC. In Germany and connected countries, it's TACOM. There's also societies in Australia and New Zealand as well. And if we look at what the ISTC offers in the UK, they offer professional recognition and development. So they provide resources and opportunities so that technical communicators can develop their skills and stay up to date. They offer a free mentoring service. So if somebody is at the start of their career, they can get free mentoring and advice from experienced members as and when they need it. Now, the ISTC does not provide training. It doesn't provide formal training courses. The way that the ISTC tackles this or addresses this problem is it accredits training that's provided by other bodies. For example, one of the courses that Cherryleaf offers, a technical writing foundation course, that is accredited by the ISTC. They encourage CPD, continuing professional development, and through a number of channels, they share best practices and standards and also provide resources to certain research items such as dictionaries, online dictionaries and the like. Most of this is channeled through ISTC community meetings, through their journal called Communicator and their conference, TC UK. One aspect that the ISTC doesn't get involved with at the moment is in officially as a single body defining standards or lobbying government. It tends to be individuals within the ISTC that gets involved with standards committees. Now, for some people, they are able to get a lot of that without joining a professional body, that they can get a lot of that through conferences and online groups. And in many ways, if you get everything that you need from an online group that's not a professional body, from a conference, then fine. And there are many good conferences and many good online forums out there where you can share knowledge and get a great deal of information from conferences you can network and the like. But one thing that is unlikely to come from those is any activities on standards or research or formal training. So it partly depends on whether you want those things to exist for yourself or you want those things to exist within your profession, within your career as a technical author, as to whether you want a professional body there to do those. And the professional's bodies will only exist if there are members that pay the fees to enable those things to happen. Now, in the scheme of things, certainly for the ISTC, the cost of becoming a member is about £110 a year. So it's roughly about 30 pence a day. So it's not a huge amount of money compared to some other institutions, other bodies. But another question that may well be valid is you do see that a professional body is needed, but does the body that's there meet the goals? Does it achieve those objectives, those things that it should be doing? It may be that you think that the current body just isn't doing those things, that its training's old-fashioned or it's not setting the standards or not getting involved with these things. Well, really, if you want those things to happen and they're not happening now, I think one thing to realise is these bodies are volunteer-led. Certainly the UK's body is very much volunteer-led. So really, the only way those things will happen is people that want those things to happen, people like you, it needs you and other people that want these things to happen to join and participate and initiate those activities within that professional body. So what do you think? Are you a member of a professional body? Do you think they need to exist? Do you think the current ones meet the needs, fulfil the objectives of what they should be doing? 
let us know. You can share your thoughts via email info at cherryleaf.com or on Twitter, cherryleaflimited is our handle. Oh, just a few bits of news for you. We launched just before Christmas a structured writing course. That's now part of the bundle of our advanced technical writing courses. We're also revisiting and starting work again on the UI course. We got stuck with that in terms of trying to work out the best way of developing exercises for that. We've come up with an approach where we can give delegates exercises without needing to download software or to be at a certain level of programming skills. So we're now working on the exercises to complement the training material that we developed and we hope to make further progress on that course. Apart from that, that's it for this particular episode, a shorter one than normal. And we've got some more interviews lined up. They'll be coming up in future podcasts. We'll speak soon. Thanks for listening.